I'm here to tell you about a brand new book you are going to want to get your hands on. Just trust me. Flirting with 40 by Kay Broomberg is live. It's an all-new, flirty, light-hearted standalone romance by the New York Times bestselling author, guaranteed to make you swoon. I'm going to read you the bio because it's just, it's going to do it for you. Blakely Fox is having one of those years. Her divorce may have been finalized a few months ago, but her ex is already engaged to someone half her age. Her younger boss is determined to sabotage her chance at getting the promotion she rightly deserves, and to make matters worse, she's closing in on the big 4-0. There isn't enough wine or ice cream in the world to convince her things will turn around. When Blakely meets Slade Henderson, She's left wondering why an early 30s, hotter-than-hell, cardiothoracic surgeon would take an interest in her. She's been warned that he'll break her heart, but she's willing to take the chance. Not only is he helping her get the promotion, but in the process, he's encouraging her to find the parts of herself she lost over the past few years. Slade slowly shows her that good guys really do exist, but who knew the hardest part about turning 40 would be realizing the man you thought was a rebound? is actually your happily ever after. Go get this, ladies. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Go get Flirting with 40 by Kay Broomberg. You will not be disappointed. Oh my God, that cover too. All right, I'll see you ladies in just a second. In the meantime, grab this up. Hey, lady listeners. Hey, lady DJs. How's it going? I let you lean in, Mel. I was going to see if you wanted it today. I was going to let you have it. You wanted to get in there first. Okay. Okay. All right, good. Let's get to it. Strike first, strike hard. <laughs> <I'm on. laughs> Someone's been watching Cobra Kai. <laughs> tell I me everything. Oh, tell me. I texted Leah because I'm so excited right now. I don't. Well, I feel like I'm going to do a spoiler. Okay, but at the end, okay, I'm not going to spoil it. But at the end of the first season, somebody shows up. Two seasons are available the, now on Netflix. Two seasons mm-hmm. available. I'm halfway through sec- the second. Just season. wait. But the first, so the first, well, yeah, okay, I have so much to say. <laughs> At the end of the first season, somebody shows up and you're not expecting it. It's the last scene of the first uh-huh. season. And I screamed. Did you scream? I did. I jumped off the couch and I was fist bumping. I was like, yes, yes. I said, no way. <laughs> I was like, that is so a good. reveal. That is such a reveal, like, of the century because you, uh, it, you don't see it coming. Just, you weren't expecting it. Yeah. And also, they, they slow played it so... Uh-huh. The, the whole show is a slow play. It's so... It's done so well. It's so organic. It's, um, it's incredible how good it is. I got to tell you, this it's this is kind of a spoiler, but not really, because it's just such a... It's such a part of the plot. But, okay, so you've got the two fighters from the original Karate Kid. You've got Johnny and Daniel. And, you know, like in the Karate Kid, they fought over Chrissy, the girl, Allie. right? Sorry, Allie. Right? They fall over Allie. Allie. Yeah. <laughs> I meant Allie. That's okay. The girl, Allie. So now, I mean, you've got, so Johnny has a son and Daniel has a daughter and like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a love triangle uh-huh. among their children. Yep. yep. And it's so like, what's going to happen? 
it's so good. It's so I'm good. like, I'm freaking it's out. Like, I, it's I, like 80s fantastic. Like, it's not really shot like an 80s movie, but the plot is like an 80s movie. It is such an so 80s movie good. with the montages. The like, music. they fix up the backyard montage. They're at the mall. Montage. montage. Yes. Oh, Fight so scene good. at the dance. Montage. Like, it's so <laughs> good. Oh, my God. It's so I just good. love every just, second of it. And I love, I love I, um, Ralph Macchio's dad jeans. Right? <laughs> like, he's got it. And he's just, and the wife is so good. And, like, the kids, they're amazing. But let me tell you, this, the end of season two, I wanted to rip my TV off the wall because I'm so upset I have to wait for the next season. Okay, so did Netflix order a new? Are they yeah, they said it's kind of, yeah, oh, for sure. If it, it, it hits top 10 on Netflix, they're definitely going to do it again. I mean, it's been in the top three, top two, top three for, for weeks yeah, now. I think and I'm like, I know this came out like on YouTube mm-hmm. apparently a year ago. It was and like, yeah, ago. 2018, they did them on YouTube and then Netflix picked it up and now they've got it. But they've only had. I just hope they're getting paid. Yeah, they only had the two seasons done. And so that was like two years ago. So these kids are going to be like... We get picked up by like Netflix? I know, that's what I'm saying. Let's get picked up by no. Netflix. Read me, Romy. I'm not ready. I'm but sorry. They said the next season's coming in 2021. I don't know if it's been filmed. I would assume it hasn't because they just now picked it up. But these kids are going to have a huge age gap if, you know, they bring back the same kid, the same actors... For two That's years, true. Ago, they're like probably 15 or 16 in this show. Like they're going to be like, what, like 18 by the time it gets filmed? That's a, that's a huge difference. I don't think that would be a big deal at this age. Because I don't think those people in One Tree Hill were ever 17 <laughs> and 16. They used to have kids that were 26, 27. True. Being yeah, we, I th- think they can. I think they can work around Well, Ralph Macchio was like 27 when he was the Karate Kid. So, I mean, yeah, he was little. I'm just worried about how these kids are going to age up in a season, you know, like that. I mean, maybe it won't be a huge difference because they're not little, little, but. And also love that the kids from like my Mackenzie's favorite shows, like on Nick and Disney keep showing up. Mm -hmm. Like the girl from Bunk showed up in season two of Peyton List. I don't know her. But she's the girl. She shows up. She shows up to Cobra Kai. She's like the kind of troublemaker. Oh, yeah. Okay. I liked her. Yeah, Yeah. She's from. Um, Jesse and Bunk. Okay, and then Robbie. Uh, he he plays a, a character on Game Shakers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so invested in like Team. <laughs> uh, okay, guys, this is Carmel Ro- Carmel Rhodes Week here on. Um, sorry, I think it's pronounced Carmel Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on uh, on Read Me Romance. We're super excited to have her. Uh, she brought us a book called Over the Falls. That we're going to play for you in a little while. I'm so excited. Me too. Here's her bio. Writer of words, mother of joy, wife of compassion. I like to write stories about real people who go through real shit and come out on the other side stronger. I also like to write smut. (laughs) Welcome to my brain. It's a little screwed up, but always well intended. I love that. What a great bio. Wow. That's something to aspire to right there. Where it's just like, (laughs) I like nasty stuff and real shit. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. I love her. I love her Instagram. I love seeing all her posts. She's always so positive and so nice. And she'll always like, if I message her or something, she always writes back. Like, she's just so sweet. I'm obsessed with all her covers. I told you guys before, I was like, I want to make sure I say the right one. 
because it's that purple cover. And it, if you've seen it, you know it. I'm just obsessed. Yeah. It's called Truly. And the cover is just, oh my God, it's gorgeous. The second I saw it, I was like, well, that's the one that's going to do it. I remember when she did the reveal. Oh and God, was like, what oh. the fuck? I know. You know how like people do cover reveals all the time, but every once in a while there's like a mic drop. Yeah. Where it's, it's like, like, oh, oh shit, Game they changer. came for it. Yeah. 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 Um, that's how hers was. It was just, it was unreal. It was so beautiful. So. So she has a book called Cherry Bomb. I'm going to read you guys the blurb really quick. Um, Yeah, it's a good blurb. Uh, My heart doesn't beat, it ticks. It's been that way since I was 16 years old and I caught my sister in bed with my boyfriend. I gave my heart to a boy who didn't deserve it and spent the next few years indulging in hard drugs and even harder sex. Life is easier when you don't get attached. Casual, no commitments. That's the rule. At least it wasn't before he came along. Cash Davidson is the tattooed prince who walked into the restaurant where I worked and turned my life upside down. He's everything I never knew I needed. There's just one problem. Tick, tick, tick. He's my best friend's dad. Boom. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Talking about a mic yeah. drop at the end. I like that. I um I was looking at her Instagram and she has a teaser for that. And she and it says, his possession is bad for my obsession. And I was like, oh, oh that's I good. was like, that's a teaser. That is good for cherry bombs. So that's hot. Awesome. That's hot. So oh, how's everybody's weekend? What did you guys do? I went to a cabin in the middle of nowhere to celebrate my dad's birthday. So um, my parents and my siblings and I, we all went up with our kids. And it was literally this cabin. I think it was built in the 1800s. And it's a little log cabin. It has like a loft thing um, that has electricity, but it has like well water. And then they put Wi-Fi in the house, but it's terrible. (laughs) And like, it's not great, but that was a good thing. And so like, it has this huge wraparound porch. It's right next to a creek. There was, you know, these little like rocky steps around it. And it was in the middle of the woods and we all just piled in and we played cards all weekend and just hung out together and ate so much good food. And it was just so nice. And my dad turned 65 on Saturday. And I know I told you guys I was going to do the cameos. So um, I sent those to him while we were up there. I had them saved on my phone just in case. But um, I was able to send it to him while he was beside me. And um, so he watched them. Um, when we were up there and he got the biggest kick out of it. He laughed so hard and um, it, it was just so fun. I did Larissa from the Real Housewives and then I did um, Sonny from uh, General Hospital, um, Sonny Corinthos um, for those OG fans. And so both of them were great. Sonny actually sang happy birthday to him in the video chat. Like it was, it was so great. And Larissa did too. She was like jumping up and down and waving stuff. The happy birthday. And like, she was insane. And so, uh, for 90 day fiance people. So she was, it was awesome that he really loved it. And then, you know, it was just something about, you know, it was about three hours from here, but we ended up like we went on a nice little walk um, on Sunday and stuff. And it, it just it was so peaceful and it was so restful. Like my husband fished all weekend. It was so nice. I didn't I didn't know how I would feel about it going into it. But God, it was just it was really needed for all of us to just sort of be together and unplugged. So, That's great. yeah, I really enjoyed it. What about you guys? What y'all do? Well, I wish you. <laughs> what did you eat though? That's the important thing. Yeah, you have to be more detailed. Mm-hmm. You have to tell us what you ate. I, I think I was bad. Like 
One day I went to, like, I was going to go Pokemon hunting. I always make that as my <laughs> excuse that I'm Pokemon hunting. I'm like, there's a ton of stops yeah, over sure, here. Sure. So then sure. I'll get, like, I went to, like, three places. I went and got Isabel's Chinese food. I went to Outback to get an awesome blossom. Yes. And then I, I went to the, play, the pretzel the pretzel place that has the cookies that have double icing oh in them and Jesus. stuff. Can you imagine? And I, co- I come in with all my shame. Ima- Wait a minute. It's called an awesome blossom now, or is that different than the, what they used I to I think it? Chili's might have called it the awesome blossom, but Chili's doesn't have oh, it anymore. Okay. So it's the still stuck sauce. in my head. I just got dipping yeah. sauce that you, you know, you dip it yes. in. Yes. We're not yeah. with your mouth. The bloomin' onion. The bloomin' yes. onion. Yes. Okay, Why is my mouth watering right now? I love that sauce, that like horseradishy, oh, whatever it is. So um, my, I just drank it. my siblings asked me to make Chex Mix. And so I made that when I came up because my Chex Mix is it's pretty damn good. Because it, I always say like if somebody else makes it, there's too many pretzels. I'm like, I'm not here for that. I'm here for the good stuff. So, like... I want the to- little toast. The yeah, toast. like Melba toast. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not a huge fan of Melba toast. My husband likes it. But you can only get bag Melba toast certain times a year. It's hard to find, like, that exact thing. But I put Czech cereal. And then I put... I'll do mini goldfish. And then I'll do, like, four different types of crackers. I'll do, like, a little cheese cracker, and then I'll do, like, a Parmesan garlic cracker, and then I'll do a veggie cracker all mixed in with it. And then I'll do, you know, the Snyder's pretzels that are the pieces? Yep. I'll do the mustard ones of those, the honey mustard, because it's like a tangy zip when you're eating it with the plain Chex Mix. So I put those in there, and then now they have the pretzel balls where they're just the hard crunch, mm. and so I put those in there. I love that. And then I put cashews, and then I do it. So I get it. <laughs> she even got the fancy. Oh yeah, nuts. like I like it's legit. I'm like, if you're gonna eat it, let's let's eat the good shit. Let's not just get a bag of shit. So, <laughs> but then I mix butter and Worcestershire and I'll mix, I'll melt that together and then I pour it over it and stir it and then you toast it until it's crispy. So all of this has like a like buttery, salty Worcestershire flavor to it. I'm sorry. That is so beyond checks. Right? Like it's <laughs> the shit. So I usually only make it at Christmas, but it was my dad's birthday. So we were like making favorites and my family was like, oh, bring checks next. So I made that. And then there's this other weird thing that my family always makes. And I think it's a Southern thing, but um, to call a dessert a salad. So you know how you can have like a, I'm not going to ever say this right, a Waldorf salad. Why can't you say Waldorf? I, I always say like Waldorf. Like I don't know why. Like if I try to say it, it comes out weird. I don't, I can't get my mouth to do it right. But a Waldorf salad you know how that's like, it's, do you know what that is, Mel, where it's like fruit and whipped cream and stuff? Yeah. It's layered. Yeah, um, I know what that this is. This, we call this orange salad, and it's something my grandma made forever ago. But it's Cool Whip, sour cream, um, orange jello, oh. and then you mix all that together. So it's kind of like a custardy sort of consistency. And then you put in um, chopped pineapple, mandarin oranges, and pecans. And it sort of sets like a mousse and it, but it's fruity and it's crunchy and it's actually really good. And it's one of our favorite things that we make orange salad. And with that, I made that, that was the other thing that my dad requested. And then I made this other and I call it cherry pudding 
And it's like, um, I use the same recipe to make banana pudding. I just substitute the fruit. But it's vanilla pudding with cream cheese and Cool Whip. And you blend that together with milk until it's firm. And then you layer it with short... That must sound like so no, yeah. <laughs> you layer it um, with shortbread cookies and cherries. And then it's just, oh you just like, yeah. So that's the other thing I made. You made, you, you must have had such a nice, like, I just ate. I mean, that's just like indulgent. Oh, it was. Like all of that. Well, when we played spades so together, like my family sat around the table and I played, we played spades. And I don't know if you guys ever played that, but we, we did as a family. And so we just had that huge bowl of checks mix. I mean, the Tupperware thing was this big. I mean, it was gigantic and we just all ate on it all weekend. It was just constantly getting nibbled on. Like, I'm oh. so hungry right now. Can I, can I explain to you guys? <laughs> I'm upset that all this food is gone, by the way. Like, it all got eaten, and I'm upset that I have no leftovers. <sighs> I, I'm, like, in the same boat we you were in two weeks ago where I've been on, I've been doing keto now for, like, mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. And the scale is just... It's just, like, fuck there. you. <laughs> it's just, like, I don't know if that's just the age we're in. Mm-hmm. Like, where it's, like, once you hit a certain age, your metabolism is just giving you the finger. Yeah, yeah. And it could be it, but you know, and it's like everyone kept telling me and in all the, thank you for all the lady listeners who reached out and were telling me the right way to do it. Like to lose weight, you do have to do it a certain way. And even Tony said, you need to eat, you know, this many grams of protein, this many grams of fat and this many carbs. And she was like, you have to hit your fat and and you cannot go above your protein. She said, those are the most important things. And I could never do it. Like I could never eat enough fat to make it work. And I understood that that's why I didn't lose weight. Like I said before, you know, I understood the whole thing behind it, but my body was just like, mm, we're not cool with this. So it didn't work. I mean, for me, you know, I didn't, put, I didn't do what I needed to do for, in order for it to work. But, you know, I just, I'm, I'm willing to, to not, to be okay with it not working. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So, so do you want Chex Mix right now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is exactly what I, that's the roundabout mm-hmm. where I was going. Yeah. Um, uh, this weekend I read a book called um, Anxious People by Frederick Backman. Oh, how was it? Oh my God. So Tell good. me about I it. Hi- I highly recommend it. Um, I just picked it up kind of on a whim. It was like a, bar- I was like a standard Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. with like a hundred books, you know? And yeah. It was like a Barnes and Noble exclusive, I, although you can get it on Kindle. Yeah. It's about, uh, it takes place in Sweden in like a small town. Mm-hmm. And a person robs a bank mm-hmm. and it's a cashless bank. Oh, shit. <laughs> so they flee. Uh, the cops are after them. They flee into an apartment building and the bank robber takes a um, an apartment full of people at an apartment viewing. Mm-hmm. Like, or it takes them hostage. Oh, shit. It, it takes them hostage. Yeah. <laughs> But each of them has like a story. Oh, you know? I like and this. It all relates back to an event that happened in the town like ten years earlier. Mm-hmm. And I, it just like I don't know how to explain it. There's like a, a side story between the two cops, father and son mm-hmm. cops. That's like really touching. Um, one of the and a lot of it is this one. One of the women named Zara, who is in the apartment viewing, who gets taken ho- hostage. She's in therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's her working through this event that happened 10 years ago. And it is so beautiful. This, the way this book comes together and the way these people change each other's lives for the better because of this one event is extraordinary. I, I'm going to go gobble up everything this guy's ever written. That's awesome. so good. 
there was a little bit of romance, mm-hmm. like, between married couples and things like that. Yeah. And um, it was just, like, it had everything. It had humor. I was laughing out loud. That's great. What a uh, good story. It was a really good book. Okay. Yeah. I, I really – Anxious People by Frederick Backman. I have check B-A-K-K-M-A-N, I think. He's Swedish. So highly recommend. Hell yeah. Yeah. Did you guys read anything? Yes, and I, I would go yeah. ahead. You can tell it while I look it up. Yours is all like smarty stuff. I'm like, I read Denica Snow's fair <laughs> series. We're balancing, though. We have balance. Yeah, exactly. We have a little bit for everybody. <laughs> so she has these bear books out, and they're actually really cute covers, and I devoured those this week. Yeah, have. which, what are they called? That was my treat. Let's see them. I'll say mine while you, oh, you got it? Oh, also... I just found out this was out. It's Revved, uh, Revved to the Max by Me- Melanie Moreland oh, is out. A lot of us, nobody knows, it seems like. I said something to Rochelle. She's like, what? <laughs> and um, Ellie, Ellie Acart, yeah. Acart, a lot of people, she has a book out too. So I'm letting, I'm letting you guys know these <laughs> hidden books are out there when you listen to this. Because when we, me and her were both like, what? How did we not know this? But hers is like the first one in Jenica Snow's bear book is called A Baby for the Bear. A baby for the Bear? I can't. I can't. <laughs> That's solid gold. And then Between the Bear Sheets. Wow. Between the oh Bear Sheets. This is great. It's no boardroom bear, but it's good. <laughs> I do have. <laughs> I have one more recommendation that I haven't got to write, read it yet, but Rochelle read it. She told me I'd like it. I le- it's called Texas Texting Titan. And I can't read the name. It's The last name is Rose because it's on my Kindle. Case Rose? Yeah, Case Rose. I guess it's about, it's backwards this time. It's where the man, where the girl is with her boyfriend and the guy wants her, but he never messes with anybody. He's like, Wait, pining after her when she's with a boyfriend, but a boyfriend's okay. a dick. But he, I guess they break up really early, but he breaks them Ooh, up. Ooh, I like that. So, and then he's like, okay, she's mine. And then that's and the then story progresses. Yeah. Oh, I like and that. I, I haven't got to read it yet, but I'm guessing she just said that really happens within the first one and two chapters. Ooh, interesting. So, but you never get that where the girl is, where the guy is the one having yeah, to watch. Yeah. The girl being like with somebody that you else. Them up. I don't know why, but I, that that got me. I was like, yes, I would like to read it now. <laughs> he, snitched, he snitched on him. He pretty much snitched on him and got him. I am currently so. reading A Touch of Stone and Snow by Mel Vane, oh. and I don't want it to end. It is so good. It's so good. I need to get back into. Oh that my series. god! It's the follow up to A Heart of Blood and Ashes. I know I mentioned it before, but there's a prequel to that as well that you can get. And you don't have to read it if you don't want to. But it's in the trilogy Night Shift um, by Ilona Andrews, um, Lisa Sharon, uh, Nalini Singh, and Millivane. They're all in that book bundle together. Um, again, that's called Night Shift. And that's the prequel to this series. Um, but the first book is called A Heart of Blood and Ashes. It's in audio. The second book it's is the one I'm so reading right good. now. Um, a touch of stone and snow and um but again my millivane and the third book i think comes out in january maybe january february i have a pre-order for it is a touch of stone and snow a full length yeah it's full length okay. yeah i think and it's, it's like the it's the i don't think it's 
it's possible for her no, to write anything no. for seventy five thousand more. So it's out now. Yeah, it's out now. It just okay. the audio just came out Friday, I think maybe. I think I think I got an arc of it, and I never read it for some reason. But now I'm just gonna buy it to support it because I, I, dude, I really love the first one. It was like. It's Amazing. so freaking good. Yeah. And so um, I'm trying to look on Amazon because I want to see when the next one comes out. Oh, man. It's just like it's I can't get over the world building she does in this. And it's fantasy. And it's, you know. Um, all right. So the third book is The Beast of Blackmore. And that one comes out. Um, no way. I've read that one. That's that was July. Hold on. Sorry, I can't see what the preview, the pre-order is. I don't think it has a cover yet, but um, I'm just amazed at how she's able to build a world that it's a touch of stone and snow. Um, the series is called A Gathering of Dragons, and this is book two. And the series, you can tell as it progresses, they're all trying to defeat this like huge sort of like I forget what they call them, but it's kind of like a Ganon type of thing. We're like in the Avengers where they all have their own stories and then they all come together to take down Thanos. And so that's kind of what's happening in this. Like you're getting everyone's sort of origin. Like the Wrecker or something. Yeah. The Destroyer. Destroyer. Yeah. So they're all, you're getting all their origin story before they come and Every origin story is a love story. So it's great. Speaking of the Avengers, <laughs> did you guys see Chris Evans? Oh, I heard about it, he but is? I haven't seen it. That he, there he had, he accidentally Mel, posted. Like you don't, you haven't heard of this yet. <clears throat> he accidentally posted a dick pic, right? Yeah. I have seen it. Dick pic? I haven't seen it. Yeah. Is I it impressive it or is me? it? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen it and then I glimpsed at it and then I put it away. Like, I'm not going to look at it because it was an accidental dick pic. I think. He, well, like, this is the thing. He So he posted a I don't want to see. Uh, it's an accidental. He posted a video and then at the very end of this video he posted, I guess, it like showed like a slice of his camera roll. And there was there was a dick pic and then there was a picture of his face and it said, guard your pussy. <laughs> what? Are you serious? <laughs> Which could have just been like a joke one of his friends sent to him or something. Um, you know, or. Or he sent it to a girl. Yes. Yeah. Um, but either way, the way it was handled of him making jokes about it w- was like. That's but good. I do have to address the double standard. Yeah. Because if a girl, if a girl's nudes had been mm-hmm. leaked, it would be like, she's so stupid. Why is she taking pictures of herself yes. naked? Yeah. Everybody knows this was going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. So I just want to address that it's not fair. Everybody <laughs> thinks he's a hero for posting a dick pic. And if a woman did it, she would be a slut. I just have to say that. Yes. But, uh, also, just the way he's handled it makes me like him so much more. Because he's just like. I've, I've been in love with him forever. That's why I, I felt like when it came across and I'd seen it for a second, I stopped. It was like. For some reason, you it felt, felt like you disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I felt. I was like, "Oh my god, no!" Like, like your penis away. I'm in love with him, and I didn't search for it. Either. I didn't I look it up. I, I will say, saying. I honestly didn't because it was like. But I like love him. He's like my favorite male actor. Whatever. I'm just like, no, I can't look. That's rude. I'm not gonna be well, rude. I remember like I, when, I, when I, all the so female funny. celebrities. Remember when all those nude pictures came out with them? It was like Jennifer Lawrence and never like. All of them were just so violated that I made a point to not look it up because I was just like, oh, that's got to be just so sickening. And so it kind of felt the same way. But, the, I mean, I don't know. It just, like you said, it's such a double standard. It sucks, though, no matter what. But he said so he tweeted this morning, um, now that I have your attention, vote November 3rd. <laughs> See? 
Captain love America him. once again using his powers for good instead of evil. Yeah. He's such a good guy. Um, do you guys want to go ahead and play the first half of Over the Falls by Carmel Rose? Oh, she's probably done for it. She's probably like, play the fucking book already. <laughs> Stop yes. talking about food. <laughs> All right, so here it is. Here's the first half of Over the Falls by Carmel Rhodes, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Bye. Bye. This is Over the Falls by Carmel Rhodes, read to you by Lacey Laurel. Prologue. Camden. I'll never forget the sound of my sister's screams, that blood-curdling shriek haunts me nightly. The fine hairs on the back of my neck stand on end as I race toward the sound. Amy, I choke out. Branches snap under my weight. The wind howls. The sound of the river reverberates through my body. But nothing can drown out that sound. Help! The voice yells again. My legs move faster, My heart pounds as I push harder through the thick brush. It's a ghost or a hallucination. It has to be. Amy has been dead for two years, killed by her drunk dick of a husband. But still, I race towards the sound. My mind is a fog of hazy memories and regret. I devoted my life to my country. I devoted my life to making the world a better place. Yet I couldn't save my sister. I'd called her that day, her last day on earth. I didn't get to talk to her often, but I had good news. After two tours in Iraq and another in Afghanistan, I was coming home. The phone rang for what felt like an eternity before it went to voicemail. I laughed to myself thinking she had probably lost it, her usual forgetfulness heightened by pregnancy brain. I hung up and dialed again. She answered that time. Camden? Her mangled voice slices through whatever joy I felt at the good news I was about to deliver. What's wrong? I bark into the phone. The base is quiet thanks to the time difference. Just me alone in an empty room, her voice echoing loudly in my ear. I've been to war, stared into the face of evil, seen friends shot down right in front of me. I've stepped over the bodies of innocent women and children. But nothing, not all my years in the desert, nor any of my tactile training, could have prepared me for the fear that courses through my veins in that moment. It's Rob. He's drunk again. Again? I grit out the question through clenched teeth. Amy? What's going on? I, I can't, I can't reason with him when he's like this. Like what? I growl, jumping to my feet. Then I remember I'm a million miles away from home. My sister needs me. We're all each other have, and I left her helpless, afraid and alone so I could go play hero halfway around the world. I'm her big brother, her protector. Yet all it takes is one phone call for the truth to reveal itself. I've broken every promise I've ever made. Amy, I clear my throat and focus. Emotions get people killed. Amy, I say it harder this time, 
barking it out like an order to one of my men. Where is he? Her voice shakes as she speaks. I don't know. He's quiet. I think he passed out. Don't think, Amy. I need you to know. Silence stretches on for a full minute before she says, I think he's gone. The relief in her tone is so palpable that even my shoulders sag. How long has this been going on? I ask, even though I'm afraid to know the answer. How could I not have known? How could I have missed it? I'm trained to be aware at all times. How could I have not seen that the person I love most in this world was suffering? A while, she confesses, but is quick to add. Things got better once I got pregnant than tonight. Tonight was scary. Anger replaces the fear in my blood. I'd only ever met Rob a few times at the wedding and then the handful of rushed holiday visits home afterwards. My military career keeps me on the move, but soon that will change. Listen to me, Amy. I need you to pack a bag and go to a hotel. Use my credit card. I don't want you there when he wakes up. I'll be fine, Cam. He'll sober up and be back to normal by morning. She lets out a resigned sigh. Amy had always wanted a big family, which is why I assume she fell pregnant just over a year after her wedding. We never knew our father or if we shared the same one. Our mother spent most of our childhood in and out of our lives. Our grandmother raised us. Then when she died, it was just the two of us. Amy was determined to be the mother we never had. Get out of there now, I yell. I'm sure she's tired. Five months pregnant and dealing with this shit. But still, it isn't safe for her or the baby, and patience has never been my strong suit. Fine. I hear shuffling on the other end. What I assume is her stuffing things into an overnight bag. I'm about to tell her to leave everything and stop at a Walmart on the way to the hotel. But a loud crash in the background robs me of the chance. Shit. He's awake. Her labored breath spills through the receiver, sending a wave of terror skating down my spine. Where in the fuck do you think you're going? Rob's voice booms. I'm running out the door to an office in search of another phone when it happens. The sound that haunts me. The scream that chills my insides. What? Amy, what's happening? It's quiet for the length of a heartbeat. Then it starts again. The loud shriek of my sister screams. Then nothing. Dead air. The crunch of earth beneath my feet pulls me from my reverie. I make my way to the river, just in time to see the first body go over the fall. Another follows shortly after, and then I hear it again. The blood-curdling shriek as a petite body smashes against a rock. Her shirt gets caught on a tangle of tree roots. It's the only thing keeping her from joining her friends over the edge of the waterfall. I don't think. I just go to her, wading into my shins untangling her from the branches. A voice in my head says to let her go, let her drown. There will be a search party and I can't afford to be discovered, but I can't just leave her. I can't. I won't. I'll never forget the sound of my sister's screams. To this day, it haunts me in my sleep. Chapter One 
Brooklyn. Heat overwhelms me. It feels like I swallowed a lit match, and now I'm on fire from the inside out. Pain sears my limbs. Everything hurts, even my eyelids. I force one open, and it slams shut instantly. My brain is a cloud of hazy memories. Flashes of the last three days mix and mingle together in my mind. The movie. The off-trail hike to the waterfall. The storm. The current. All of it comes back in flashes. Reese, rock, spirit, and coyote. Dead. All of them are dead. My throat bobs up and down. I try to scream, but my mouth is so dry and scratchy, no sound comes out. We were filming a survival film that was supposed to be my ticket back to the A-list. Our guides tried to warn Reese the waters were too rough, but he insisted. Said we'd already lost too much time waiting out the storm. We'd almost gotten everything we needed when the river roared, stealing Reese's camera with the current. He chased it. Coyote and Spirit chased him, and Brock and I tried to make it back to the shore. Only it was too late. I lost my footing and went under. Then nothing. Blackness. Black, black, black. My fucking eyes are so heavy. Sleep stills me from consciousness again. Ah! I yell out to the void. Pain, like I'd never felt before, cocoons my entire body. My stomach rolls. It hurts so much, I heave. As it churns in my belly, then I feel it. Two warm fingers tug at my lips, forcing them apart. Cool liquid hits my tongue, and it's like a little slice of heaven in the middle of my own personal hell. I turn my head, pressing a kiss to the fingers who delivered me the drink. And sleep finds me once more. Hours later, or days, I'm not really sure. I rouse again, though my lids still feel like they've been pinned shut. Come on, Brooklyn, wake up. The pain is still there. It pulses like a heartbeat. I reach for my temples, hoping to rub out the source of my discomfort. Then the memories hit me again. The river. Reese, Brock, Coyote, Spirit. Dead. Tears flood my cheeks. I scream in agony, remembering the looks on their faces, the guttural sounds escaping their throats, the roar of the current, the muffled silence of being dragged under, the rock I crashed into as I went hurtling towards the falls. My mind battles with my body for supremacy. I'm not dead, or I am? That would explain the scorching heat. Open your eyes, Brooklyn. Open, open, open. I focus all my energy on that one simple act. I tell myself that if I can open my eyes, 
I'm not dead. That my body isn't floating down a river that I never bothered to learn the name of. My lids flutter, and this time, I manage to keep them open. It's blurry at first, like a lens in a camera. Blinking, I adjust my focus. A hazy outline of a figure looms over me. Blink, blink, blink. The blurred lines even out, and everything becomes clear. I'm not in a hospital with a team of doctors surrounding me. There are no machines, no modern medicine. Just a man with long sand-colored hair, a shaggy beard, and the deepest green eyes I have ever seen. I scream again as one more memory rises to the surface of my mind. Him. He plucked me from the river and brought me here. But what is he going to do with me? Chapter 2 Camden Relax. I press down on her shoulders with a little more force than I intend. She's a tiny thing, maybe 5'4 or 5'5 in slender. I could break her in half if I'm not careful. My voice is low and scratchy. I don't use it much out here. Don't come across many people brave enough to hike these parts. Even less who venture off the trail. Her screams are too much like Amy's. Broken. Garbled. Helpless. I need her to stop. For the last three days, as she floated in and out of consciousness, I've had to listen to her gasping in fear and confusion, forced to relive my greatest failure over and over and over again. You need to calm down. You hit that rock pretty hard. I think you have a concussion. If you keep thrashing about, you'll only make it worse. Please. She chokes out. Her slender hand finds her throat, and she swallows hard. Water. I give a terse nod before rising to my feet, making my way out of the bedroom of my small cabin. It isn't much. It took me most of my first year out here to build, but it keeps me protected from the elements, and most importantly, it's hidden from the rest of the world. I snag a cup from my makeshift kitchen and lift the lid of the tin drum I use to store clean water. I dip the cup inside to fill it, reseal the lid, and grab two aspirin on my way back to the bedroom. She watches me as I approach. Her brown eyes are wary. She looks so frail under the bear pelt. Her curly black hair is matted to her face. A scratch runs down the length of her left cheek, marring the otherwise smooth brown skin. Even with a jagged, angry mark, I can tell she's beautiful. What the fuck am I doing? This woman is hurt and afraid, and I'm gawking at her like a fucking pervert. I shake off my stupor and hand her the cup. Her hands shake as she brings it to her nose and sniffs it before drinking it. Good girl, I think. Proud, if not slightly offended by her self-preservation skills. If I wanted you dead, I would have let you go over the falls. Water seeps from the sides of her plush mouth as she gulps the water down. More, please more, she asks. I oblige and hand her the pills. Aspirin. I tell her when she side-eyes them. She pops the aspirin and downs half of the second cup of water. 
Her voice is less scratchy, but still thick when she speaks. I was pretty sure you were an inbred serial killer. What? I arched my brow at her, unsure if I heard her correctly. But her brow wrinkles, and she looks toward the ceiling lost in thought. What an inbred serial killer bother saving me? Her pouty lips purse. He would if he wanted to kill me himself, but then again, he has aspirin. She must come to a conclusion because she looks back at me. Not a serial killer. Her throaty voice makes my dick twitch, and I mentally kick myself. This girl has been unconscious for three days, and despite her smart fucking mouth, she's probably afraid. And here I am, thinking about making her do a different kind of screaming. Before I can stop myself, I push a tangled strand of hair from her forehead. She trembles under my touch. Fear and surprise swirl around her brown eyes. I'm not going to hurt you, I say, doing my best to soften the edges from my voice. I would never hurt a woman, unless she begs me to. I couldn't save Amy, but I can save this woman, even if she is an asshole. She glances down at the bare pelts draped over her petite frame. Then why am I naked? Huffing in frustration, I run my hand through my beard. Are you fucking serious? I'm naked. She says it slowly, like she's trying to get me to understand the concept. Pushing up to a seated position, she presses her back against the wall. The pelt slips, granting me the slightest glimpse of her dark areola. My mouth waters for a taste, and I have to suck in a breath to keep from yanking the damn thing off and tossing it in the corner. I haven't been with a woman in ages, and the one lying naked in my bed is stunning. That's all this is, a physical reaction. I just need to get her healthy enough to make the hike to the nearest town, and then I can go back to my fucking life of seclusion. Why did you bring me here? What do you want from me? I plucked you out of the river. You were shivering and your lips were fucking blue. If I left you in those wet clothes, you'd have died. So by my count, I saved your life twice already. You're welcome. And you're welcome. I snap. I don't mean to, but it's taking all my restraint to keep my dick in check, and her smart mouth isn't helping matters any. She recoils at my tone. Her plump bottom lip wobbles, and the urge to suck it into my mouth overwhelms me. I don't, but I'm not sure what I do is any better. Reaching out, I cup her face. My thumb moves on its own accord, tracing the soft swell of her mouth. She holds my gaze for a long time probably debating with herself again on whether she can trust me or not. We are completely and utterly alone, deep in the wilderness, a stretch of land sandwiched between the Alaskan and Canadian border, and without an ATV, it's a two-day hike to the nearest town. The weight of that must consume her. Tears well in her eyes, and I don't know if she realizes it or not, but she leans into my touch, what are you going to do with me? Her skin is warm. Her skin is warm. Fuck. Could she have a fever? 
dragging my knuckles over her forehead. I try to gauge her temperature. Your body isn't strong enough to make the hike to town. I think the concussion is starting to subside, but you have to take it easy, or else it will just get worse. I lift the bear pelt to check the wound on her leg. Aside from the concussion and the scratch on her face, she also has a cut on her right calf muscle. I've been cleaning and changing the bandage to stave off infection. Everything looks good. When I look up again, her puffy red-rimmed eyes are narrowed. What now? I roll my eyes. I thought the damsel in distress was supposed to be grateful to the person who rescued her. I'm still naked. Good God, you don't have anything I haven't seen before. Trust me. Before Amy died and I turned to a life of solitude, I was a normal man. The military ensured I was in peak physical condition, and I didn't always have the shaggy hair and gruff beard. Women threw pussy at me every time I stepped out of the house. Everyone wanted to fuck G.I. Joe. Her hand disappears from my spot on the side of the bed. With the pelt still raised, I watch as her fingers cup her mouth. One dips inside before sliding back out. Are you touching your pussy? I choke back the surprise. There goes the last of my self-restraint. My dick turns to granite, remembering the soft curve of her hips and dark brown of her nipples. The cute little tattoo that hugs the curve of her breast. Okay, maybe I did look a little bit when I undressed her. But I couldn't help myself. Her tits are so damn perky. Even now, I want nothing more than to suck one into my mouth, to lick and bite on the hardened nub until she surrenders herself to me. Her naked in my bed calls to a deeper, more primitive part of my soul. I'm not proud of it, but I'm a man, and I've been out here on my own for two years now. Hell, any tits would make my dick hard. But these tits, these tits are heaven sent. Just checking to see if you were up to any funny business while I was passed out. She shrugs. You've been out of it for three days, I grunt, catching her wrist. I bring the glistening finger closer, inhaling her scent. If I wanted to fuck you, I would have done it already. You'd still feel me there if I had. Trust me. My tongue darts out, and I lap up the briny cream. The taste of her explodes in my mouth, and I wish I could have more. I wish I could devour every inch of her. It would be so easy to peel back the bear pelt, force her legs wide open, and feast on the damp flesh. It's as if she can sense what's left of my humanity, hanging on by a small thread. Her lips part and her eyes slide over my face, down my jaw to my throat, then over my shoulders and further down, before she snatches her hand back. I don't doubt that. I blink, then blink again. As much as the beast in me wants to take, the man that I once was, no, she isn't strong enough to handle what I'm desperate to give her. Listen, the nearest town is a two-day hike from here. You're nowhere near ready to make that trip, so it looks like you're stuck here for a little while. She brings her knees to her chest as the weight of my words wash over her. 
how long is a little while? You hit the rock pretty hard, I say. I'm not a doctor, but I'd seen some shit in the desert I'll not soon forget. Two weeks, maybe three, depending on how quickly you recover. They'll come looking for me before then, she says, and I'd thought nothing but that very thing since bringing her here. It was a risk, one I stupidly took because of my past failures. I wasn't even supposed to be on the river that day. I knew the storm would cause the waters to rage, but I'd been tracking a deer. It'd been so long since I'd had deer meat, I couldn't resist. Then I heard her, and her cry called to me. In that moment, nothing else mattered. Not the deer or the dangerous rabbits. Just her. She'll lead to my damnation. I'm sure of it. But I'd die a thousand times over before I'd let anything happen to this girl. Chapter 3 Brooklyn How did I get myself into this mess? Oh, right. The three million dollar paycheck. Note to self, never lie on your resume. At least not about important stuff. Can you speak Japanese? Sure. Drive a stick shift. No problem. Scale a mountain. Hard pass. I am so screwed. Not the fun kind of screwed that ends in orgasms, but the kind that lands you with a concussion in the middle of nowhere with a man whose mother and father are most likely brother and sister. A sob catches in my throat. There's no time for tears. I inhale, stuffing my nerves back down where they came from and focus on one thing at a time. Clothes. I need clothes. I'd like to get dressed. I grabbed your stuff from the shore. The sexy lumberjack-looking man says, nodding to my back. He stands to retrieve it. I take the time to really look at him. He's tall, like extraordinarily tall, 6'4 or 6'5, and big. His shoulders stretch the thin fabric of his t-shirt, and his arms look like they could do some serious damage. Denim hangs casually from his hips, but what's most surprising are his bare feet. He is home, and no one wants to track outside dirt inside, but aren't lumberjacks supposed to always be ready to, like, Cut down trees or whatever? Sun beams through the window of the little cabin. The light dances over his skin, highlighting the dips and curves of his body. The muscles bunch underneath his shirt. His hair and beard are the color of sand. His skin looks like he spends his fair share of time outdoors. Duh, Brooklyn. He lives in the woods for fuck's sake. What's wrong with me? If this man's parents aren't related, then he's obviously hiding from something way out here, and I'm practically drooling over him. This is a problem. How do I always find myself in trouble? Why did I come here? Why did I think binge-watching every survival show I could get my hands on was enough to prepare me for this? I don't think things through. Do you need help? He asks, his green shimmer with emotion. 
He has the most expressive eyes I've seen. One minute, he's looking at me like I'm a wounded bird. Then, it's almost like he wants to kill me or rip off the furry blanket and fuck me until I can't walk. Shit, can I walk? If I say yes, you won't get all pervy on me again, will you? He rolls his eyes in annoyance. When did I get all pervy on you? When you licked my finger after I stuck it inside of my cunt. I cross my arms over my chest, begging him to deny it. He doesn't. He just throws his hands up in frustration and growls. You're such a little brat. I'm not a brat, I huff. Excuse me for being traumatized. I just watched everyone I trusted to keep me safe die. And now I'm at the mercy of an inbred mountain man's kindness. So sue me. I'm a little leery. His eyes soften, and I'm back to being the wounded bird. Look, I'm sorry about your fr- He begins, then it's as if a light bulb goes off over his head, and the conversation changes course. Why do you keep calling me inbred? I mean, I assumed. Why else would someone who looks like you? I point to him, then twirl my finger around the room. Be out here all alone if you weren't raised by wolves or your parent siblings. What do I look like? Like a god. I blurt without thinking. I mean, like Tarzan or whatever. Just give me a shirt. The corner of his mouth tips up in amusement. He drops my bag on the bed and pulls out a t-shirt before tossing it to me. Slowly, I slip it over my head, then try to reach for a pair of panties, but the bag is just out of reach. I twist and the room spins. Ugh, I huff, forcing my eyes closed. Be careful. We're trying to get you strong, not make it worse. I lift my middle finger, but he ignores me and takes out a black cotton thong. Why didn't I pack more practical underwear? I'm going to take the blankets off. I have no shame. Seriously, I showed my tits in a big budget action movie for $5 million. I'm not embarrassed by my body, but the thought of him doing something as intimate as sliding my panties into place makes me want to die. Just do it quick, I say, falling back on the bed. I cover my eyes with the crook of my arm and wait. His big hand lifts my good leg and I feel him hook the fabric over my foot. Then he repeats the motion carefully with the injured side. They slide up my calves without much resistance, but he slows once he reaches my thighs. I can feel his breath on my skin. It's warm and sends a shiver down my spine. He stays there for a minute and I chance a glance down at him. His eyes are on my pussy, and I swear it quivers. I can feel myself getting wet. I can smell the musky sweet aroma in the air. You said you wouldn't be pervy, Jack. I remind him, swallowing back the lust. You don't seem to mind. The bastard licks his lips, then slides the fabric up. He puts one hand under my ass and lifts, sliding the fabric up my hips. He drags his knuckle back over my pussy and gives it a quick squeeze. If the room weren't spinning, I'd probably beg him to do it again. Next, he slides on a pair of gym shorts and I'm dressed. 
just because it's wet doesn't mean you get to touch it, I say boldly, holding his gaze. His brow lifts in challenge. A little smirk tilts the corner of his lips. I'm going to remember that. Write it down if you need to, Jack. I don't give a fuck. Life is strained sometimes. I just survived the most traumatic experience of my life, and here I am flirting with a man who is most likely into some shady shit. My therapist would say I'm compartmentalizing. Maybe I am, but what else am I supposed to do? I could freak out. I could cry, but what would that change? I'd still be at his mercy. My head would still feel like it was pushed through a cheese grater, and I'd still have no way of contacting the outside world. Why do you keep calling me Jack? He asks. Because you look like a lumberjack and I don't know your name. I answer. You could try asking. I shrug. Does it matter? Would you like to eat for the next two weeks? As if on cue, my stomach growls. I'm talking wolf howling at the moon type of growl. A day seven of a seven-day juice fast kind of hunger pain. I'll take that as a yes. The smug bastard disappears again. From my spot on the bed, I watch him as he pulls a box of broth out of a small cupboard that looks like it was carved out of a log. He holds the box up. It's chicken broth. No roofies. I don't suppose you have any vegan options? A famous pop star once told me at a party that eating vegan will make my skin glow, and I haven't looked back since. Well, except on cheat days. Cheat days are for In-N-Out burgers. I'm a shitty vegan. Sure, let me run out to the garden and pick some kale. Seriously? I perk up. No, not fucking seriously. I've got broth or jerky. Take your pick. I lift my middle finger. The broth is fine. He moves around the tiny cabin, popping in and out of view. The dizziness has subsided, and my head no longer hurts like a motherfucker. It's downgraded to hurting like a bitch. I use the temporary reprieve to take stock of the situation. I'm in a cabin no bigger than my closet in L.A. It's clean, surprisingly so, considering he's a man and I doubt there's maid service all the way out here. The walls are rough and jagged. I can picture him outside with an axe, hacking away the wood. The decorations are sparse at best, but there is one framed picture propped on a stump beside the bed. A blonde woman and Jack. Must be old. His hair is short, a neat close crop. His face is clean-shaven. He looks young and she is stunning. Her long hair flows down her back and her smile is bright, despite her slightly crooked front tooth. They look happy. I hate her instantly. Jack appears by the bed, his jaw clenched. What are you doing? Is this your mountain mama? I say, turning the picture over. He snatches it from my hand. Don't touch my shit. He thrust a bowl into my hands. The sides are warm, but provide little comfort. Sorry. My lip trembles. 
I didn't mean to piss you off. I just... She's pretty. Fear creeps up my spine. What if he won't help me get to town? I need this man. And underneath all of my bravado, there's a very real possibility that I'll never leave this godforsaken cabin again. It's fine. Just eat. I nod and watch him tuck the picture away inside a bag that's hooked onto a chair. He plops down and tucks into his own bowl. I count to five in my head, waiting for the seemingly sweet, although a little broody lumberjack, to shift into the serial killer I still fear him to be. He doesn't, and I let my shoulders relax enough to settle back against the wall. The smell wafting from the bowl hits my nose and my mouth waters. I look down and see warm yellow broth and a few green beans floating inside. I look to him and smile. You gave me vegetables. He grunts. I found a can. We eat in silence. He's still moping about the picture. I want to apologize again, but I'm afraid to make it worse. I'm not good with quiet. My mind goes places I'd rather it not go. This is really good. He grunts. We eat a little more. Then, when I can't take the silence anymore, I ask, So, what's your name? He looks at me, then back at his now empty bowl. Camden. Camden? My jaw drops. But that's not a lumberjack name. I'm not a lumberjack. He deadpans. Okay, well, what are you? The man who saved your life. Now eat. I take another sip of the broth. It's actually not bad. I'm Brooklyn, I say, and watch his face for signs of recognition. Brooklyn Breslin? You want some more? Please. I left my bowl to him. He returns with our food and I press. You've never heard of me. What kind of a question is that? A valid one. I roll my eyes. I was a Disney kid for Christ's sake. What is a Disney kid doing in the middle of the woods in Alaska? I slurp some broth from my spoon. Filming a movie, duh. I don't watch movies. Obviously, I mutter, spinning my spoon around the room. The lack of any sort of connection to the outside world hits me in waves. No radio, no television, no internet. Just me, alone with my mysterious savior, and my own thoughts. In short, I'm in hell. A sob catches in my throat. To think, there was once a time I turned my nose down on social media. Despite my agent's pleas, I thought that posting pictures of my dinner and shots of my dog would cheapen my value. Now, what I wouldn't give to see what the internet thought about me. Were they looking for me? Did they cast me off as dead? Tears drip into my sad soup. Is everything okay? His scratchy voice holds a sincerity that only made me cry harder. Okay? I ask, broken. No, I am not okay. Nothing about this is okay. Look, I know the situation isn't ideal, 
ideal? Are you fucking insane? That must be it. You're psycho. That's why you're here in the middle of nowhere. So, we're back to me being a serial killer again. Swinging my legs over the edge of the bed, I brace myself. I need to get out of here. Fine. He says, watching me with amusement. My feet hit the hardwood floor. Pain shoots across my skull, but I ignore it. I can do this. Breathe, Brooklyn. I rise to my feet. The room tilts on its axis, and I fall to the ground like a sack of potatoes. A deep belly laugh emanates from the other side of the room. Fuck you, Jack, I hiss, pressing my eyelids shut. My outburst just makes him laugh harder. I inhale through my nose and out my mouth, waiting for the walls to stop spinning. Maybe trying to storm out wasn't the smartest idea, but Camden is a know-it-all asshole. I flip over and push myself up on my hands and knees and crawl towards him. He stops laughing, his eyes darkening as I advance slowly. I stop at his feet, lifting my middle finger before I continue into the living room. The laughter follows me. Hey, we're back. Hey. How about that first installment? So good, so good. Oh, so good. Okay, so you can go to readmeromance.com and go to the current audiobook uh, for Carmel and enter to win a signed copy of Cherry Bomb, which I read the blurb for earlier. She's got lots of good stuff. Is she on Kindle Unlimited? Uh, oh, gosh. Yes, I believe so. I didn't even look for that. I, I should have. I think she is. Oh Sorry, guys. And uh, Tools of Engagement by me is out tomorrow. So oh, if you yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to yeah. have to stay tuned next week for a little preview of us. Well, we'll talk about that on Friday, though. Yeah, we'll talk about it on Friday. And uh, so, yeah, so it's out tomorrow. It's a former rodeo. Yes. It is. Carmel Rhodes is on Kindle uh, Limited. On Kindle Limited. I'm glad you saw it. <laughs> so, Tools of Engagement is, um, yeah, it's out tomorrow. It's um, a type A kind of interior designer and a former rodeo rider who's come home to raise his five year old niece. And so they're complete opposites. They're kind of enemies to lovers, and they team up to renovate a house on a reality show. It's pretty funny. I can't wait. If you go to the first page of Read Me Romance and you scroll down, there's a whole section yep. for it. It's for a- Tools of Engagement? For, yeah, your next oh, release. Cool. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Thank you. Uh, okay, so check the show notes for uh, links to all Carmel stuff. And we'll be back uh, on Friday with the other half of Over the Falls. We'll see you guys yeah. soon. All right, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. 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 Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind.